0: Closing arguments for the Derek Chauvin trial and the death of George Floyd will be going to the jury later on to this afternoon, and our leftist politicians are calling for peace. Not. No one, can, no one can represent the United States in a world community better than someone who thinks the United States is racist, and we might be seeing the end of the separation of powers. This is Gene, and you've listened to dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs> Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses po- Talking Politics. Oh my gosh, my words. Use my words. Well, Minneapolis is about to explode. The Derek Chauvin trial for the killing of George Floyd is in its closing arguments. And a verdict is expected by the end of this week. Hopefully this week. I don't know what's going to end up happening. Honestly, the verdict could go either way. Though I thought that the posi- that the prosecution spent way too much time dealing with the emotions of people around them and not enough time on any type of evidence or facts. Uh, the defense did a good job pointing out that Chauvin did not have his knee on his neck, which the prosecution actually admitted. And um, they were able to, he was able to weave Floyd's heart condition and drug addiction into his death. I thought he did that pretty well. Now he's being charged again with second-degree murder, third-degree murder, which doesn't seem really relevant here, and uh, second-degree manslaughter or, or manslaughter is what he's. Um, if Chauvin gets tried, I see probably a ma- I probably manslaughter if he's going to get actually get convicted. But so far. I don't think the pros- and I've been watching it. I don't think the prosecution has proven their case. I thought they wasted a lot of time on having people go up and talk about their feelings. Um they did bring up a lot of they did bring up a lot of uh, expert testimony, but the only one that really counted was the was the ME that actually did the autopsy, and he didn't come up with the results they wanted? Uh, the prosecution also messed up. Uh, they had to. They tried to fight the whole deal with um, excited delirium. And so much so that the police, the excuse me, the defense actually ended up using one of their witnesses to bring up excited delirium. Excited delirium is when a person is high on drugs and they actually end up losing their mind a little bit. And that's really what it looked like on the, what's really what it looked like uh, happened with Floyd, why he was throwing his fits. Um, The prosecution would not call the Floyd's drug dealer who was in the car with them. That was kind of strange. And the prosecution forgot to include evidence about George Floyd's carbon monoxide levels being high. There's just a, uh, being high. There's just a lot of reasonable doubt in this case. I I don't see how they get uh, a second, they definitely won't get it. I can't see how they get a second degree murder, third degree murder, which means I killed someone, uh, Well, second-degree murder is the killing of someone in the commission of a felony, which did not happen here. Third-degree murder is the unintentional killing of somebody uh, through, I'd say, reckless behavior or in the commission of a crime. I don't think that happens. Manslaughter, it's possible, but that has to be free of anything else that could kill George Floyd. Now, here's the whole thing. It doesn't really matter, okay? We're going to see riots this week. It doesn't matter the verdict. If he gets convicted of manslaughter, which is the most likely, people will riot because he didn't get murder. If he gets convicted of second-degree murder, which is very unlikely, people are going to riot because he didn't get first-degree murder, even though he wasn't charged. But it's really good to see that politicians like Maxine Waters of California fly to Minneapolis to really try and calm things down.
1: Reform, reform. And so, yes, I would like to see the bill in Congress pass on police reform, but I know that the right wing, the racists, are opposed to it. And I don't know what's going to happen to it, but I know this. We've got to stay in the street and we have got to we've got to demand justice. As a black man, despite all of the efforts, I feel like nothing changes. And George Floyd is waking so many people up. Yet nothing has happened just you know despite the rhetoric. Like what what needs to happen that's different this year than well, all the years we're before? We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict. And we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd. If nothing does not happen, then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that will say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we go, we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty. For murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree... It's what happens if we do not get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens...
0: What should protesters
1: do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active, we've got to get more confrontational, we've got to make sure that they th- they know that we need business. What
0: do you think about this curfew?
1: I don't think anything about curfew. I don't think anything about curfew. I don't know what curfew means. Curfew means that I want you all to stop talking. I want you to stop meeting. I want you to stop gathering. I don't agree with that. Are you going to stay out here? Uh, no, I'm not going to.
0: I swear to God, this woman is just so freaking awful. Uh, so, Republicans are all guilty of racism. We're all racists, all right? Derek Chauvin is guilty of first-degree murder. Apparently, she's no lawyer, because he's not... First-degree murder is something completely different, and there is no way Derek Chauvin is d- d- guilty of first-degree murder. He's not guilty of second-degree murder, and... He doesn't qualify for third-degree murder. So this broad is just what she's doing here is she's encouraging violence. Is what she's doing. She's encouraging um, the protest, the rioters, to break the law by ignoring the curfew. She doesn't believe in curfews. Well, you know who believes in curfews? The Democratic governor who set the curfew. This is incitement. This is the same woman who said Trump should be impeached for the incitement of January 6th, and she's actually calling for violence. This isn't the first time she's done this before, by the way. They've got montages of this gal calling for violence. Remember, she was the one in Los Angeles that was telling people to uh, find these politicians and scream at them and get groups together and throw them out of a restaurant or a gas station because they're not welcome. She is just she is a terrible human being and and she's one of these people that believes that the police are all bad, and there needs to be a revolution where the entire American system needs to be torn down because everybody is a racist. You know who should be pissed off? not the people over this Derek Chauvin, George Floyd thing, because I think there's a lot of problems with that trial altogether. And if anyone watched that trial, they'd sit there and say, oh, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know the prosecution said he didn't have... They acted like he had his knee on George Floyd's neck for 10 minutes. It didn't happen. Even the prosecution in their opening statement admitted it didn't happen. They didn't realize he had three times the amount of fentanyl Uh, the uh, fatal amount of fentanyl. They didn't realize his heart was enlarged. They had one artery that was 90% constricted and the other that was 75% constricted. They don't talk about that he was uh, screaming that I can't breathe while he was in his own car or that the police tried to put him into the police car and he was kicking him. They don't talk about that it was George Floyd that has to be put on the ground. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Of course, anti-Maxi's comments were widely condemned by Republicans and conservatives. Uh, the House Minority Leader said that if Nancy Pelosi doesn't do anything about this, he will. And you, we've only got uh, that Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's already put in a uh, call to, in the Congress to actually have her um, removed from Congress. This is what uh, Kevin McCarthy said. Quote, Maxine Waters is inciting violence in Minneapolis, just as she incited it in the past. If the Speaker Pelosi doesn't act against this dangerous rhetoric, I will bring action this week. When Nancy Pelosi was asked about this, and she just talked about it today, she said, I, they asked her, do you think something should happen to uh, Maxine Waters? And she said, no, I don't think so. Really? President Trump didn't say anything that actually incited violence, and she was willing to go to the mat to get him impeached for a second time, when he wasn't even president anymore. The conservative wings, they're, they're bent out of shape. Senator Ted Cruz, the Republican from Texas, said, quote, Democrats actively encouraging riots and violence. They want to tear us apart. Absolutely true. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire said, Quote, Maxine Waters is trying to intimidate a jury to influence the outcome of a murder trial. Every elected Republican in this country should be calling for immediate arrest and removal from Congress. Of course, um, the jury is actually restrained. They are, uh, I can't remember what the word is called, but they're actually stuck in hotel rooms. So they're not actually hearing anything that's happening in the street. Stephen Crowder of the Blaze TV said, quote, if Trump was removed from Twitter and Facebook for inciting violence, then Maxine Waters needs to be federally charged and impeached. Here's the thing. Nothing's going to happen to her. Pelosi doesn't want anything to happen. She wants this just forgotten and moved on. She won't get, even get censured by the Congress, even though that's the least of what should happen. Here's the thing, as much as they say, as much as the left says no one is above the law, that's not true. Democrat politicians are above the law. And they're above all moral decency. They do not have to follow any standards of moral decency or the laws. They'll just be forgotten. Heck, as hypocritical as they are, they don't even have to hide their hypocrisy anymore. They just can go out, do and say whatever they want, and it's always for some sort of bullshit social justice. And this is one of the reasons why Maxine Waters will never get into trouble. It's because the left actually thinks America is systemically racist. They, well, the left does. Now, mind you, most people don't believe this. Most people think the United States is a great country and they're they're very patriotic. But the left thinks it is. So if you go out and say something like this, commit violence for the cause, that's a good thing. And she's a hero. That's why she never got into trouble with the other 74 times that she actually um, incited violence. But now we're beginning to tell other countries that were systemically racist and were bad people. This This is a terrible thing in the face of the rest of the world. Let's take a look at Linda Thomas-Greenfield, who is the U.N. ambassador for the United States, and listen to what she says.
2: We immediately re-engage with the Human Rights Council and have announced our intention to seek election to that body so that we can advance our most cherished democratic values around the globe.
0: Just an FYI, the reason we left the Human Rights Council is because they were allowing countries like China and Iran and Venezuela and Russia, some of the worst countries in the world, to run the Human Rights Council. And the Trump administration said, I, "We listen, why are we going to join a council that's just absolutely a terrible group of people and let them determine the morality of the world and the morality of human rights? China, he, Chinese human rights... You mean with their concentration camps, torture and murder? Really? That's who we want to be with? Anyway, that's not, that's not the worst of it.
2: Of course, when we raise issues of equity and justice at the global scale, we have to approach them with humility. We have to acknowledge that we are an imperfect union and have been since the beginning. And every day we strive to make ourselves more perfect and more just. In a diverse country like ours, that means committing to do the work. It means learning and understanding more about each other. It means engaging trailblazing groups like yours to teach, to grow, to include, to improve. It means not forgetting our past or ignoring our present, but keeping both firmly in mind as we push for a better future.
0: In one foul swoop, she just made us no better than any other country in the world that we've got problems just like everybody else and uh therefore we need to deal with it and make ourselves better and learn from our mistakes. she doesn't see our country as exceptional at all she doesn't see that we have a moral authority in the world she just thinks it's a bad country we're racist and she says it uh we're going to talk a little a few minutes about Jen Psaki lying again This is a thing. This is a problem with our country right now. The people that are running it hate the country. I tried to
2: do this recently in the UN General Assembly when I spoke on the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. That day and commemoration was personal for me. So I told the UN some personal stories. I told them how my great-grandmother, Mary Thomas, born in 1865, was the child of a slave just three generations back from me. I grew up in the segregated South. I was bused to a segregated school. On weekends, the Klan burned crosses on lawns in our neighborhood. I shared these stories and others to acknowledge on the international stage that I have personally experienced one of America's greatest imperfections. I've seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles.
0: This is the ambassador to the UN for the that's representing the United States? Really? Does this mean that we now have no moral authority because she's got stories about things that happened 50 to 150 years ago? This is what she's saying. Slavery in 1865, which, by the way, um, we did lose 620,000 men fighting in a civil war to end slavery. She doesn't bring that up. Is that part of her story? Yes, there was segregation. By the way, all that systemic racism. That all is systemic racism. But it's over. 1965, the Civil Rights Act of 1965 ended Jim Crow. And now you're telling this to... con. And she has no context. It's like history's been a straight line. Like, we've never changed from slavery all the way to today. What are your stories from 1960 have anything to do with 2021? We're still racist and white supremacy is weaved into our founding documents? How dare Joe Biden put this broad as representing the United States? She hates the United States. She thinks all our principles are wrong. I don't. I think our principles are fantastic. Maybe she should read a book. The Federalist Papers discussed the whole thing about slavery and why they couldn't go for it right away, even though there was already an emancipation, uh, group within the United States actually it was almost the entire northern territory of the United States didn't believe in slavery and now you're telling you're telling countries like China, Venezuela and Iran that we're no better than they are because we had slavery 150 years ago and then you forget about all this stuff where's the unity here this is the problem Joe Biden just doesn't seem, he doesn't, it, there's no unity, he doesn't care. Is this, is this goes contrary to the beliefs of probably over 50% of the country. We don't believe this. This is, and this kind, this line, train of thought is toxic. It's toxic with our foreign relationships with foreign countries, and it's toxic within this country. Jen Psaki didn't help things out. Uh, She was asked about these comments uh, and she said this, quote, is the president going, she was rephrasing the question here, but quote, is the president going to remove an African American woman with decades of experience in the foreign service who's widely respected around the world from her position as an ambassador to the UN? He is not. You know, I do want to point something out here. She's widely respected by other countries in the world. Because they also think that we're a terrible place. And they hate us. They're jealous. We've got something they don't have. And most countries hate us. And here's the other thing. I really don't care what foreign countries think of us. And the third thing. I don't want a woman who's got this belief system representing me anywhere. I don't want the foreign countries of the world thinking we all believe this crap. Anyway, Saki continues. He is proud to have her in that position. She is not only qualified, He belie- well, simply because she thinks this means she's not qualified. If you have this thought about our founding fathers, about our founding of the United States, you're not qualified to be an U.S. ambassador. Not to mention, everything that you believe is hypocritical. She probably is traveling around in a private jet, a black woman, traveling around in a private jet between her two to three homes as the U.N. ambassador. You're right. Blacks have absolutely no opportunity in this country. Anyway, I continue. She is not only qualified. He believes she is exactly the right person in the role at this moment in time. I have not seen her comments. I will say that there, there's no question that there has been a history of institutional racism in this country, and that doesn't require the U.N. ambassador to confirm that. Uh, yes, there has been a history of institutional racism, but we don't have it now. And this is where this is where Jen Psaki. wouldn't be a, again. It wouldn't be a press conference without Jen Psaki lying at least seven times. Certainly, I think most people recognize the history of systemic racism in our country. And she was speaking of that. No, she wasn't. She was speaking of systemic racism today, present. She said it it's on, it's recorded. If you can't remember, rewind about two minutes. She was talking about it today. If you believe after the Jim Crow laws, and this broad was alive during Jim Crow, she should know the difference between Jim Crow laws back then and systemic racism today. She should actually be able to tell the difference between a black person being arrested for sitting in the front of a bus, or a black person being arrested at eating an all-white, at an all-white restaurant, or a black person being arrested for drinking from the wrong water fountain is systemic racism. Whereas today, the only people who seem to want to segregate are the left, are leftist blacks that don't want to have anything to do with us white people. I think segregation is coming back, but I think it's coming from the from the most expected place, Basically, the leftist black, uh, leftist black people. That's where it's coming from. So no, I don't think she should be ambassador. And her experience is irrelevant when you already believe something like that, that is contrary to everything. And we're beginning to see other countries uh, start pissing on us because of this mirage of systemic racism and imperialism that the left has been throwing on top of us for decades. China is telling us during their uh, conference with the United States in Alaska that we have no right to say anything about their concentration camps, their imprisoning, torturing, and killing of Uyghurs, the occupying of Hong Kong, the threatening of Taiwan, because of our moral failures. Really, our moral failures. They have concentration camps. Uyghur women are being gang-raped and tortured and forced sterilization and forced abortions. A couple of people are screaming that we're systemically racist and that's why we don't have a moral superiority when most of the country doesn't believe that? The PM of Japan, Yoshigi Suga, was in the in the country last week, and he even mentioned the struggle the United States is having with racism. I okay. Here's a newsflash. Let's let's do something really bizarre. Let's go through a little bit of history. The United States is not systemically racist. All right. You know why I know this? Because we were systemically racist, and we know the difference between systemic racism and what we have today. We fought a civil war to end slavery where 620,000, mostly white, died. Because why? Slavery was wrong and we learned that. We gave women the right to vote because not allowing the women to vote is, you got it, it's just wrong. We gave reparations to the Japanese, who we, uh, Japanese Americans, who we interred during World War II. You know why we did that? Because it was wrong. We implemented the Civil Rights Act of 1965 to end Jim Crow segregation and actually end systemic racism in the United States. Do you know why? Because Jim Crow was wrong. No matter what you think of it, we gave, gay, we gave gays the ability to be involved in civil unions. Why? Why? Because we thought eliminating gay marriage was wrong. Now, you may not believe that, but I can see the argument where, well, and I do, I I don't believe in, in gay marriage in a church or anything, but the United States thought it was wrong not to let people get married. Okay, that's fine. This country has done everything it can do to correct its past sins and make sure we never live through them again. Black men are not being systemically race, uh, uh, shot in the streets by police officers. Numbers actually bring that up. 234, in 234 blacks were killed in 2019. Right now, less than 100 have been killed through this year by police. It's just not happening to the amounts that the left keeps telling us it's happening. And this is one of the reasons why the left wants to destroy our history, eliminate our history. Because we have been successful. The left needs us not to be successful so that they can destroy our systems. If we have a history that says, well, we did have slavery, but we got rid of it. We did have Jim Crow, but we got rid of it. We didn't inter Japanese Americans, but we got rid of it. We didn't allow women to vote, but we got rid of it. Gays couldn't have civil unions, we got rid of that. We we now allow them to have that. If we show this country as the empathetic country that it is, then there'll be no reason to overturn our systems. So what do they do? Destroy the history. Tear down those damn statues. Change history. Everyone's a victim. Except white people. Specifically white men. Everyone's a victim. And then we can change the system, and that's the goal of the left. The big problem here is the left used to be on the fringes, and now they are mainstream and they are controlling the government. So something else that's really gonna kind of kind of bothers me. Actually, it's no kind of, but I, I shouldn't be surprised by it. Is a New York Democrat uh, Representative Mondaire Jones? He's a first-term representative. Did something I just think is wrong. He. Now he is a leftist, and he wants to pack the Supreme Court, so I am not too surprised that it will go out of what seems to be conventional over the last couple of hundred years uh, within the uh, Congress and the presidency. He said this quote, "There's no question that Justice Breyer, for whom I have great respect, should retire at the end of this term. My goodness. Have we not learned our lesson? Now, what he's basically saying is he's comparing this to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who actually died in office and ended up being replaced by Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, there was a lot of talk that she should have retired under the Obama years. She didn't, she kept going. And um, she ended up dying at the end of Trump's term, and then Trump picked Amy Coney Barrett, splitting the Supreme Court, theoretically, six to three. Reality is John Roberts is actually a liberal, so let's just say it's uh, five to four. Uh, Basically, Jones added that Breyer's retirement uh, would allow Biden to appoint another jurist with uh, the Democratic-led Um, the Democratic-led Senate. Now, they do have some, um, quote, let me quote them here, quote, jurists on the Supreme Court who are not hostile to our democracy, who will adjudicate cases that will protect and preserve voting rights, and that will respect the will of Congress. In other words, well, first off, Congress needs to create something before the Supreme Court could adjudicate anything, and I don't think Uh, The Congress has done absolutely anything. And not to mention um, a Supreme Court who are not hostile to our democracy. What he basically means by that is the Supreme Court who doesn't buy what he's saying. Okay. And by the way, Supreme Court, the only thing they do is they read one paper, then they read another piece of paper and they determine if they match. That's all it is. All right. So I personally... Cannot stand the fact that politicians are now weighing in on Supreme Court justices. I think this is wrong. I think it's going in a very bad direction. And we might already be there already. Let's call it what it is. Okay. The the justices are given life terms for a reason. That reason is that they cannot be influenced by any government, state government, the federal government, the judiciary, the presidency. Or any individual politicians. So Justice Breyer already said he's not resigning. So that's not a thing. But this is not pressure that should be put on a justice by a politician. And I honestly, I cannot see, I, have, I don't remember ever seeing this happen before. I don't remember any conservative sitting back and saying, well, Ruth Bader Gin- politician, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should resign. Um, Clarence Thomas should resign. No one said that, and there's a reason no one said that. One, the left loves Ruth Bader Ginsburg, so they don't really, they didn't really want her to resign. But two, because politicians have no, no say over the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is supposed to be one of the the least viewed branches of government out there. It's just, it's just supposed to make a decision based off laws that are created by Congress and that the president supports. That's all it's there for. This also separ- really threatens the separation of powers here. Because right now, the Democrats and the left, they see the Supreme Court as another branch of the judiciary and or uh, another branch of legislature, which it's not meant to be and never has meant to be. That's why they always just shut their mouths They never say anything. They're just quiet as mice. They rarely give interviews. You don't see, I think you can count on one hand, the number of interviews that justices have given to the press. They stay completely out of the weeds. They're they're there to make decisions. They're outside of that. They're not there to be seen or heard. But if we have politicians that are actually going to try to politicize the judiciary, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to politicize the judiciary. The Democrats and the left want the Supreme Court to be another branch, legislative branch, that's going to go with their ideas, whether they're constitutional or not. And let's remember, let's remember that Voting Rights Act that the Congress just passed That thing is unconstitutional in fifty ways to Sunday. It's unconstitutional. But if you get the right people in the Supreme Court, it doesn't matter if it's unconstitutional. They'll say it's constitutional. It's what happened with Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade is an unconstitutional, it was an activist ruling. It had nothing to do with abortion. It had to do with rights to privacy, which makes absolutely no sense. So you can see right off the bat, this Monter, what's his name? Monter Jones is just trying to politicize the Supreme Court. And we will be in a very scary situation in this country if the Supreme Court becomes uh, politicized. Because that's not what it was meant to be. It was never meant to be that. Okay, you can uh, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, YouTube, and Rumble. I hope you guys have a great day. Um, I'm watching the last of the closing argument in the Chauvin trial. This is the rebuttal by the prosecutor. So there's a very, very good chance this is going to go to the jury before the end of day. Oh boy, everyone hold on, get your GoPros ready, because there's going to be some action in the streets. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.